Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Hi, this is Mimi with Fruition, and the podcast you're listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com to stay in the loop.
Hey everybody, it's the Helping Friendly Podcast. Welcome to episode 141. This is RJ. I'm here with Jonathan and Matt. What's up, guys? Hey, now. Hey, man. Um, good to talk to you guys. This is our first um, regular episode without a guest um, since our Island Tour wrap-up, which was in April. Just realized that today because we've had guests, we had quick hits, we had the quick hits to dicks, and we've been we've been busy talking about fish, but not in this sort of traditional way that that you know was the way that we all started this thing. So it's cool. The Island Tour was just in April. Seems like it was twenty years ago. Uh, that's a that's a dad joke. Yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> um, Matt, do you um, does it feel like it's been a while? Or it, I guess the what do you think? Yeah, it does. I was just thinking about that. Although um, you know, we've the three of us have g- gathered for uh, for all of those uh, quick hits to dicks. We spent a lot of time together over the course of you guys did the first half of them, and then I we did what like five or six nights in a row of uh, yep. of all chatting. So we spent minuscule amounts of time, but this is the first time I guess we've done like prep work, and we feel like we're like doing a real thing. So it's good to be back in it. Yeah. And in terms of um, sort of fish news, um, fish is going back to Mexico. um, And I'm not going to Mexico, but I think Matt's going to Mexico. Yeah, I'm going to Mexico. Going back. Jonathan, Jonathan, you're not going to Mexico. I'm just happy for Matt (laughs) and all the other people. (laughs) It's awesome, man. I'm excited for you. This will be your second time, right? Yeah, I was at the first one. Uh, couldn't make it to the second one, um, and so I have. I don't know. It's weird because like we started to hear rumors about this earlier in the summer, and I was kind of like, yeah, maybe we could do it again. It's it's pricey, and there's a lot of other things going on. So I don't know if I would have been so motivated to do it if it hadn't been for Curveball getting canceled. It kind of fueled me up about. Um, wanting to see more shows. Um, and then it doesn't hurt that this is like the one of men of, of any, all of the things that fish does that, um, as soon as my wife heard about it, she was like, Hey, we're going to Mexico. Right. So it's kind of hard to say <laughs> no to that. Um, yeah, that's awesome. That's so, a good situation to be in. Um, yeah, that's not too bad. I, yeah. I will, I will tell you guys for those, for those of our, um, audience who are keeping track, which there are probably none. But if anyone is, Matt's first appearance, I think, on HF Pod was uh, Mexico wrap up. After that first year, you went. It was, yeah, yeah. Did the I was a correspondent on the scene. I, w- I was like, I took my my responsibility very serious. I was taking notes and things like that. Yeah. Um, I promised to be far less responsible this time. <laughs> Good. I should hope. So. Thank goodness. Um, we've come a long way, and you know, responsibility <laughs> has waned. Um, so. Yeah, I guess first, thanks everybody for listening. As as always, um, we will be doing some couch reports this fall. Um, me and and probably Jonathan and Matt a little bit, and Tom and some other people. We're going to do one couch report from each of the five stops on the tour. I think the second night of each run. Um, we'll have more info about that on OsirisPod.com. But we're going to be partnering with Relics and having some guests. We're going to record, I think, live at the Brooklyn Bowl one one, t- one day on November first, which will be cool. So anyway, we're going to be doing a lot of um, a lot of couch reporting, and um, if you guys check those out before um, on our YouTube channel, we appreciate that. We had fun. We had we learned. I'd, I'd say we learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's a, a lot of learning going on. Yeah, a lot of learning. 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 Super fun though. Um, and speaking of learning. The, the most learned member of of the podcast team is not here. Brad um, is not with us. Matt, what do you know where Brad is this yeah, time? Yeah, he sends his regards. Uh, he's actually a current nominee for the Supreme Court, so um, he's a little tied up at the moment. But uh, he promises he'll be back next week. 
<laughs> yeah, um, be, I'll be over by then. We miss yes. you, Brad. Um, so, guys, um, we're we're jumping in for this episode into um, September of 2000. A really kind of interesting um, month and an interesting tour that I'm I'm not super familiar with it, and I, it was fun to go back. And we're going to give some highlights from every show in September of 2000. And then uh, Matt has curated some awesome jams throughout. So, so we'll drop in a, a, a bunch of music actually. Um, Matt, was this your idea to do September 2000? I can't remember, to be honest with you. I think, yeah. I think we, we were kind of talking about um, which September might be good for, uh, for our HF pod plus listeners to, cause we usually try to stay with the current month and, um, there's not that many tours in September uh, throughout yep. throughout the years. I mean, especially when you go back in somewhat recent history. So um, September 2000 was probably the most recent year where there's like a lot of shows uh, in the month to talk about and a lot of action. And then, of course, historically, it was a pretty important month as well. Yeah, we um, and we're going to do um, an HF pod plus on one of the uh, episodes or sorry, one of the shows we talk about here. But. Jonathan, I think you're the only one of the three of us who have, who actually saw shows in September of 2000. Yeah, um, noobs. We are <laughs> noobs. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Hey, I was responsibly going to college at that time. I was uh, two studying. months married. <laughs> so was I, and uh, I tried to go to a show, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we we'll yeah. come to it. So, Jonathan, we were one thing that was cool about this. Um, we haven't done this before, but we were asking people. We, we, I think in the past we've tried to like keep our episodes under wraps of in terms of what we're doing for no reason at all. But um, we usually don't talk about the episodes we're doing. But we did this time, and people sent tons of feedback on Twitter and on Facebook about their memories from these shows. And we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that. But Jonathan, it seemed like one of the main themes from this this month or this tour is. There's just some weird stuff happening. Um, some good jams and some stuff like that's totally worth revisiting, but obviously leading up to the hiatus and stuff. But did, is that like part of your recollection or, or does it, did it just, do you just remember awesome shows? Well, it didn't factor into my specific experience too much because I only saw one show. It was relatively early. It's actually middle of the month or whatever. But, um, but we were aware and I had a lot of friends who were seeing a lot of shows, and they reported back some heavy vibes. Fish was, well, there were heavy vibes abounding. Yeah. Uh, heavy I'll vibes. Say more about it later on, but yeah, some good vibes, some bad vibes, some some, and then Matt, a lot of guitar vibes. Yeah, I think that's kind of my executive summary on this tour after listening to um, I listened to all of the shows uh, from the month um, and I felt like if you like hearing Trey Anastasio play the guitar, uh, this is a good tour for you because there is a lot of guitar playing. <laughs> so so if you don't like Trey playing guitar, this this episode is probably not for you. Um but this, yeah, you're right. And, and man, there's so many examples of him just, you know, a lot of notes, a lot of effects, a lot of really, really good stuff that's that's worth going back to. I think the part of the, like the stories that people were sharing with us, some of them at least, were a little bit more like things had gotten crazier, you know, in terms of the, the scene as well as the, mu- the music. I think people were, there was more drugs and more cops and more like you just hear more stories than about like crazy shit happening than you do if you talk about 94 95 not even 96 i feel like by this point the scene had gotten much bigger and 
a little bit more intense. Is that Jonathan? Was that? Do I you think, think that's correct. Fair? It was. It was quite a scene. It was quite a crowd out there. People were um, pretty serious about their various activities. <laughs> I, I don't want to be explicit, but yeah. let's just say that. Um, yeah, times were being had. And- Times were being had. <laughs> um, so, Matt, what else besides uh, besides people were having times before we get into some of the specifics on these shows? <laughs> um, I think, you know, one thing to listen to throughout the month is we'll probably touch on. Uh, we spent a lot of time earlier this year talking about 1999 and how the band had moved towards gr- more groove-oriented jamming. Um, and in that year, it was... Uh, very ambient so there was a lot of like Trey stepping back and playing his little keyboard on stage and kind of sticking with the same groove and layering textures on top of it um this year like or this month in particular it, it kind of rebounds back a little bit towards it's it's still very groove oriented and there's um there's long stretches where they're sort of doing the same thing and just sort of building um instead of trying to get to new places as they as they have in a lot of the the years and that other people like for exploratory jamming like 95 97 uh you know 2015 2017 um so Trey's playing picking up the guitar and playing it a lot more um you know the Fishman's hitting really, really hard, uh, as he had been in 99. He's, he's playing the drums really hard. Um, Mike is still enforcing the groove a lot. Um, but he's maybe getting outside of the box, uh, a little bit more than he had been in 1999. So, um, we'll listen to those things. There's a lot of energy, uh, throughout the tour. I think maybe it's dark energy, but I, I heard a lot of, um, really fast tempos and driving beats. Uh, and, and so it, it was kind of, it was a pretty fun month to listen to from my perspective, but you can tell even from the tapes that, um, you know, they're, there's, they're starting to run out of steam. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. It's interesting about the guitar coming back. Cause you, I think the sort of ambience and all that you hear it, it's much more like in terms of spacey stuff, but, it, but it's like over grooves, you know, and then over Trey just going nuts. Um, there's several shows and and we we took the uh, for our audience's sake we listened to almost all of the shows from from September and we're going to bring you what we think are like n- really notable pieces but some of the some of the jams like the grooves like you said are felt a little bit like that you know that YouTube video like the you ate my fractal what fish sounds like to people who are who don't like fish i had a couple of those moments where i was like man this is just this is hard. It's a tough month, I think, partially because of that that um, up and down, like you mentioned. But we're bringing you guys the high points, and um, should we get into it? Let's do it. So this, and we should say that the the tour didn't end at the end of September, right? There were several shows in October, and the the tour ended, I think, on the seventh or eighth at Shoreline. Um, but we're just covering up to the end of September. Yeah, it feels like uh, uh, you know we end at the end of September, and it feels like maybe that le- that week of October deserves its own focus. Yeah. It's just sort of a march yeah. march towards hiatus. So where, where we'll end here at the end of the month, spoiler alert, is um, essentially with the announcement of the hiatus, and then you've got uh, I guess like five, four or five shows after that uh, where they yeah. they close the thing out. It, it, it but should they be did. noted that yeah that we knew, like word was out, word was heavily around that there were no shows to be announced Mm -hmm. so uh by the time well before vegas word was basically out um and then Mm -hmm. trey confirmed it all from stage 
Yeah, that's interesting. So, so it wasn't. Yeah, it's good to remember. It wasn't public, but now listening back, we hear that. <laughs> I mean, we know, but so people knew, but it wasn't like totally confirmed. Right. It was known, just like uh, I don't know, like a lot of things. Like we knew there was going to be a festival this summer, or there was going to be a festival scheduled for this summer. Yeah. Um, long before they said anything to us about it. Yeah. So yep. word gets around. So. So they started this tour on the 8th of September in Albany, um, and that was a um, two-night run in Albany, right? We heard we're, we heard from a lot of people on Twitter just about, you know, a lot of people did these shows. I think those Albany shows by that time, if you want to go, go see them in Albany if you could. Um, what were some highlights for, for you guys from, from the first night of Albany? So we get the debut of Mellow Mood, um, which uh, kind of becomes a theme throughout the tour. They play this in a lot of shows and sound checks and things like that. It seems like they, they have fun playing that, which was interesting to me since I just saw them play that uh, for the first time in a while at Dick's uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, so yeah. it's strange coincidence. Wave, to... your, wave your Dick's dick around there, Matt. <laughs> I will wave my dicks in the wind. Um, uh, so, yeah, so that was kind of cool. Um, I don't know. I didn't. Th- I, I thought this show was just okay. I think this tour gets off to a kind of a mediocre start. Um, eh. Other, other than the ghost in this show, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I think the Mellow Mood is obviously a cool opener. I think the ghost is great. The gin and the jam that uh, follows it are terrific, and it's a like nice, I would say unique. In fact, I did in my notes, unique moment for Fish, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they end up developing a number of them on this tour. So it's this is the bellwether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the gin is is worth going to into the jam, and um, my notes say um, that <laughs> that I liked the gin and the jam, but the jam is really just fishmen on vacuum and then noises in the background, which is which is cool for a jam, um, but but sort of rare. You don't always hear fishmen like on the vacuum with like space and and weird shit happening. So I'll give you that unique jam, Jonathan. Thank you. But um, when they so go back and listen to those few and and the ghosts too from the first set, um, first set ghosts, you know, man, they've been they've been delivering for a long time now. Um, in the second show at Albany, um, for a decent amount of the second set, they have Michael Ray come out right on trumpet, but um, sort of a different different show. But um, I don't know. I I thought this was a little bit like more of a grooving uh, show from the start. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, another cra- weird, interesting coincidence: Michael Ray played at the first uh, time I ever saw Trey, which, uh, about eleven months after this, at the Man uh, on that the Tab tour, in summer two thousand one. He sat in. Uh, I th- think it was on Last Tube uh, in the, mm-hmm. in that show. Um, Michael Ray, of course, being from the Sun Ra Orchestra. Uh, he's a he's a an interesting dude, um, and. Uh, if you like a really jammy second set, this is not the show for you. Um, they they keep it a little bit more inside the box with their guest on stage. Um, there's a lot of times when it seems like he knows some of the songs, like Cars, Trucks, Buses. He jumps in real quick, and he's obviously trying to figure it out, but he's at least familiar with the tune. Um, there's a lot of other places where he's just sort of kind of you know making a lot of interesting Sun Ra-ish uh, sound, um, <laughs> with his, with his trumpet, um, check out, you know, I made a comment earlier about the, the tempos being way up on this tour. Um, check out the sand from this show, uh, as an example of that, where, um, it's just, 
if you know if you know sand the way that they play it now or even most tab versions or anything and you hear this you'd think that you you know set your turntable on 45 instead of 33 or something it's a it's extremely fast um i would and it, say that the sand is the jamming highlight of the show too yeah, probably. That's that's the point at which Michael Ray comes out on stage and they they stretch it out a little bit. Um, and from there, it's like, you know, it's cool. But do you really want to see Maka Supercars trucks bust Funky Bitch Cavern as the second, you know, the second two thirds of a of a set? I'm sure it was quite fun. It's fun to listen to. Yeah, it's um, good to go back to you. Don't, I mean, you don't always. There's there's just so rarely guests, you know. Um, but the 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 first set had that my friend my friend little jam into gumbo which i thought was cool too that was a that was a highlight of listening back to me jonathan what what else for you i i agree with that that gumbo is the kind of grooving version that people really get into and it's a good roger too roger you mean i know i said so sorry the album didn't come with pronunciation guide but now you've heard the guy who made it. Doesn't matter. I've been okay. saying it for twenty years. All right. I'm not changing. Why do you give I'm up. the one he's the one who he's the one who sucks. Why should I have to change my name? Um yes. you guys you guys know what that's from, right? Yes. Of course. Okay. Star Trek. Um so they go on to Great Woods, two nights in Albany, two two nights in Great Woods. Um the first night um opened with Roadrunner, the first first time playing that. Um and there's some there's some there's some music in here, Matt. Do you, do you think there was music? Yeah, yeah. Well, so one thing that's that's cool to think about today. I can't think of a tour, the the last time that they did a tour where they were switching back and forth between indoor and outdoor venues throughout the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got Albany and Chicago and Vegas uh, on this tour where they're they're playing inside Minneapolis too, um, and then they're going outside and switching back and forth. So if you were if you're on the tour going going along you get kind of a nice change of scenery you're not just playing sheds or you're not just going to to a bunch of arenas in a row um which is kind of cool but um other you know the the cover of the modern lovers roadrunner uh to start the show off is really cool uh super energetic um obviously you know very appropriate uh lyrics um with some shout outs to paul anguadoc's parents um after that though i you know my interest kind of wanes in this show uh you know I, I don't hear a whole lot that really uh kept me uh kept me interested in it um, the first like, set is yeah go ahead go ahead Jonathan. first set is quite songy i'll give you that but they're they're pretty good songs i mean it's good moma um i don't know what else eh i like that set the stash was good um and the stash i think was really the roadrunners you know it's fun to look at the information on that and see that they've tried to make that the state song, but Jonathan Richmond said they shouldn't. Nice. But they're still trying. They're still trying. Good. That's a good, really good album. Um, if people haven't heard that album, but maybe everyone has. Yeah. Everyone and the has. flip side to that is Pablo Picasso, which is a great tune. Yeah. That's true. Um, okay. So guys, let's, let's keep going through so we can get to some music because the next show, I think the second night at Mansfield, to me, that was the first show of these that I was listening to that really like caught my attention. And um, Mike was like very prominent to me in this show. And then I guess through the whole tour, he's just killing it. But the, the down with disease in this, this show, I thought was really good. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a turning point, um, it, which is funny because when you look at the, the last night, 
versus this night, just the second sets alone, you'd probably put your money on the first night being better just on based on less songs and what songs are included in set two. You know, Chalk Dust, Twist, Piper, What's the Use, Yem as a second set as opposed to what we get here, which is Disease, Heavy Things, Melt. Uh, a Fishman segment with bike in it, 2001, and then a Mike's groove. Um, but I just felt like this one had a lot more positive energy um, to it. Uh, felt like a lot more. It was a lot more fun to listen to um, when I when I listened back to that set. Um, but so I agree with you, RJ, when you say that this is really kind of if you're going to start somewhere on the tour, this is probably a good place to start. Yeah, the Down with Disease is pretty special. It kind of teeters in the ambience, and then. Uh... Mike and Fish, they kind of they they aren't having the ambience, uh, which of course they got kind of out there on the Piper the previous show, uh, and then Trey and Paige finally get their way after they reprise it, which is pretty cool. No, but then that you, you still have to hear that Trey setting up the loop for heavy things, so <laughs> like you think yeah. it's over, but yeah. So two things I I think this is probably a good point uh, in the show to to point out two trends that you're going to hear um one on the jams there's almost sort of a de facto 2000 type of jam which is trey guitar rate ripping over the rest of the band grooving for a while and then dissolving into like a really extended ambience that just kind of goes mm-hmm. for a while and then you know maybe trey turns on a pitch shifter and he's playing really high notes and mike's stepping up and um that happens a lot in a lot of jams and this disease is a great example of that. Um, you know, the other thing that I think that you'll hear that Jonathan just mentioned, and this is going to play a, a particularly interesting place in a show that we'll cover uh, a few, uh, from, from this night, um, is, uh, the sort of battling of the band. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, half the band wanting to go in one direction while another half wants to go in the other direction or something like that. Um, you'll start to hear those little things happen through, throughout the tour. It's also not always the same pairings. Yeah. So, and sometimes not pairings at all, but yeah, it's a lot of push and pull. Yeah. And this is, um, it's interesting because in 2000, this is several years after they sort of went to the more democratic, you know, approach, which is probably highly publicized and understood by now, but, you know, writing songs together and, and, taking a more i think trey referred to it like democratic approach to to both songwriting and playing um but sometimes you just want to sometimes you just want to fucking rage you know it's like i don't care what you want to do other guy in the band i want to rage well and you still have the continued uh effects of what we talked about in 99 which is you know trey spent a tour with a you know drummer and bassist that were essentially there to serve him as a lead guitarist. And, um, it seems like for, for better, for worse, um, you know, big Cypress being the exception because that's just sort of an anomaly in their entire career. But other than that, um, there's a lot of Trey playing guitar over the band at that point Mm -hmm. forward. Um, and that'll sort of continue into 2.0, but, but they'll get a little bit better about maybe parsing through that and, um, playing together as a team. Jonathan, did you do you have any thoughts about the Trey ninety nine tour? You didn't like it, right? It's it's pretty good music. <laughs> um, one thing we should say: I, I, the reason I said that is that Jonathan talks a lot about the Trey tour, particularly the was that May of ninety nine DC show. Yeah, that show was pretty fun. Yeah, um, so people should check 
check out that show um to hear the tray the tray 99 but we're not talking about 99 we're talking about 2000 um yeah move on rj one thing i wanted to mention is that um beyond the pond did um an episode on this down with disease from um great woods um is episode 35 and of course beyond the pond they then bring you tons of music that i that i've never heard of that is inspired by or similar to what you hear in these jams so that's what beyond the pond does which is why i always learn a lot because i don't know anything but um moving on to Tyrion, this is the first really i think well-known show of the tour right it was a live fish release really um really awesome awesome show yeah i think uh this is probably the best show of the month um they were they were right to release this one as a live fish release uh this was a a show that i listened to pretty heavily early on because of the live fish release so we're not going to feature any music for this from this only because you should be familiar with it already uh because it's an official release if you're not um go out and and check it out uh the second set uh, in particular is is really good but don't snooze on the um the Susie greenberg and the jam at the end of set one which is maybe the best Susie greenberg possibly the best Susie greenberg ever uh with a really really crazy almost kind of like a tube type thing where after they finish Susie, they just go back into the Susie jam just to, to funk it up um but the the second set sequence of uh drowned into cross-eyed and painless into dog face boy is just is breathtaking it's it's really amazing it's also my birthday it <laughs> it's is. also jonathan's birthday it was on is... that that year too yeah that year too that's a cr- <laughs> what a crazy coincidence man this year wow yeah i'm not gonna dispute or add to anything else you said other than that note Uh, um well covered matt the Susie, i think the Susie to me really kind of captures that whole 2000 sound like you said matt um so yeah so let's keep going should we keep should we get back on back on the bus we're going down down to matt's neck of the woods um hershey september 15th assume matt matt's going to that show uh yeah so this should have been my first show uh so sorry i'm a a freshman at penn state at this point so like an hour away from hershey uh i had had a couple of near misses with uh uh, actual misses uh just close calls with trying to see shows uh the, the summer before uh in the in the the fall 99 tour and um so i show up at penn state i've got some friends who are a little a couple years older than me have cars and are little are fish heads and they're like hey you, you know fish is playing down at hershey you should come with us and i'm like absolutely i'm gonna go i this was a friday i remember really clearly i've like didn't go to classes that afternoon. It was like the first time I skipped a class in college and I was all stoked. And, uh, my friends stood me up and didn't pick me up. And, uh, so I, I didn't get to go to the show. Um, so, uh, that's okay. Um, you know, it only cost me a couple thousand dollars in therapy afterwards to get over. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it's a good show too. I've, I've, I've listened to this one quite a bit. Uh, it, it starts and it ends at the tube. The tube is just like, ridiculous um the the tube was actually featured on a live bait release uh i think it was one of the first live bait releases even before it was called live bait uh it was just called like past summer compilation or something like that and um so it's really really good go and check that out if you haven't uh heard that one um but then we also there's also a a a guest appearance from our friend uh tom marshall in the in the first set right yeah yeah at the end of antelope um i think there's twice this tour when he came up and and 
did the antelope lyrics um the few that there are but he did it with his daughter anna who's now i think in her she's mid-20s so she was probably like six at the time um and i asked her last week if she remembers this and she didn't <laughs> but really but she knows but she knows that it like happened she just doesn't you know i think she was five like five or six so anyway um or maybe older than that but it she 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 a lot of people have reminded her that that happened so that's cool but um the the tube is this the longest tube ever yes. maybe i think so yeah so you know like you said matt that's that's all you really need to know Jonathan, is there anything else you need to know? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's not all about this tube. The tube is good. <laughs> but Matt already Matt already said it is all about the tube. But, so which is it? But Matt is overlooking the fact <laughs> that the uh, the Jabu and Antelope are pretty good in set one. But uh, the Piper is Piper is awesome. It is a good Piper. You're it's right about uh, that. a little more tethered than the one from the eleventh, but it's uh, it's great. And do not sleep on the Piper. Don't sleep. Just don't fall asleep listening to the Piper like I did. Um, just kidding. Um, but, but Matt said it's all about the tube. Jonathan says it's not all about the tube. This is music, so one of you guys has to be right. Point, so no, I, point I counterpoint. Guess, <laughs> point counterpoint. <laughs> I guess people people on the internet, um, let us know who's right. Um, that's all that matters. Um, so no, don't actually do not <laughs> yeah, want to know who you think is right. I want to know that you like the tube, and I want to know that you like the Piper. And if you don't like both. I definitely don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, okay, so should we, we're going to get to a show now where we're going to share some music. And I, I think this is when the tour, if it hasn't already yet, like starts to get really exciting. Um, before we go there, one thing I wanted to say about Piper is, do you guys think it was like the the most exploratory song of this month or or year i guess there was a lot of stuff they were doing in in 99 and 2000 but just every piper from from this tour at least is just really really good i think that is that right there is the key every piper here is great and yeah it's probably the most reliable vehicle i mean the tweezers eh, they don't do what this piper that these pipers are doing yeah i think um i had that that thought as i was listening to all these shows i think that this period in the band's history was the best period for Piper. Um, all of the Pipers are really, really good. Um, it, even though it had been, they'd been playing it for a few years, it's technically kind of the jam vehicle on the newest album at that point. And, you know, think back to 2000, they were pushing all the farmhouse material pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. So they played a lot of Pipers. They were still slow, you know, slow building it, but they had figured out that they could also extend the back end of it and really make it a kind of a rip roaring adventure, um, starting kind of the summer before that. Um, so it's almost like, you know, if you look at the, the, the progression, you know, this probably took over the jam mantle from ghost at this point, which for a couple of years had been like their signature new jam. Um, Piper was really taken over at this point. And it's also, um, it's a great showcase for some of the things that we talked about earlier, which is Trey playing a lot of guitar over a really rocking, you know, rip roaring, um, groove. Um, not necessarily the need to explore and got, go into a lot of different modes or anything like that. Just straightforward balls to the wall rock and roll and uh they do a great job of it in uh pretty much all the versions from this this period yes um let's go let's go to some music now matt do you think we should we should say we're going on we're rolling through from um we're rolling through hershey into meriwether post pavilion um 
And we have some music we want to play. Do we want to say anything before? Or do we want to just play that segment and then talk about it after? What do you think? Well, yeah. So let's let's play some music. The the only thing I'll uh, let you noodle on while you're listening to this segment, which is the the, the beginning of the second set at Meriwether, um, really kind of odd tour planning because they're in Hershey, Pennsylvania on a Friday night, and then they play Meriwether on Sunday night and. Hershey and Merriweather are like two hours from each other. So you've got to wonder why the hell they didn't play a Saturday night show uh, at that point, especially considering Saturday night seems to be the one night of the week that they always uh, play on when they're on tour. So strange. Um, because they're busy fighting. Saturday <laughs> yes. night's all right for fighting. <laughs> Matt, would that, what about like a, what about a radius clause sort of thing with Merriweather? I don't that know. Been, that wouldn't be because they just wouldn't have been able to play there on the same. And, and but the, when they're plotting, it's not a festival. I mean, when they're plotting a tour, yeah. they can kind of do what they want. Um, can, okay. It seems, yeah, it seems like that would have, I mean, today in, in modern day tour routing, Hershey would have been Friday and then Mary would have been Saturday and Sunday. So um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's almost 20 years ago, so we can't say what, what was going on. But it just, when I was looking at the, the days of the week, that seemed a little bit odd. So um, with that in mind, uh, jump into Merriweather. Uh, you're going to hear uh, rock and roll into theme from the bottom into dog log log uh, which is going to take us into mango song and then we'll we'll come back so enjoy that was a great dinner so great wait where'd you park the car oh the one i just sold at carvana what when did you do that when you were still looking at the menu i went on carvana.com and all i had to do was enter the license plate or vin answer a few questions and got a real offer in seconds they picked up the car already no i parked around the corner but they are picking it up tomorrow and paying me right on the spot oh no wonder you picked up the check yeah about that uh we're going halfsies. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Yeah. 
back. You just heard rock and roll into theme into dog log, um, mango song. Jonathan, you were at this concert. I was. Um, do you remember this being particularly awesome? And what did you like about it? If so, if no, that's fine. I do, in fact, remember it quite well. Um, we had nice seats in the pavilion on Page side, and they were rad. I was with my wife. We'd been married for a couple of months, and it was our first show together since uh, Big Cypress. And um, I bought a, a long sleeve T-shirt, and it was cool enough that evening that I wore it during the second set. So that indoor outdoor situation on the, you know, the various venues, it, you know, the weather was in play. Um, but it was it was nice that it didn't rain, and then the fish concert was good. <laughs> I'm glad that the weather was, you know. So hey, you memorable. know that could be a big deal. Matt, you talk to everybody you... about dairy, and they're going to tell you about the rain. Yeah. So right, that's true. I, I went to a fish show, and the weather was real nice. I was I, just trying to, I trying have to, to give you shit. I have to be honest. I mean, we're sitting here on September Sunday, September 16th, talking about this. It was essentially tonight uh, in 2000 that this happened, uh, and it's it's quite lovely outside. So I would love to be at a concert at Merriweather right now. So um, yeah. Yeah, let's go. It's good. But tell us about the music. What was it like, man? Uh, it was rad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I like I love Gaiuti, so I was happy to have that as an opener, have that back and the playing it early in a show that I'm at. And the gin was like, a propulsive, man. It was like that that high tempo thing you were talking about earlier, Matt. Uh, it was definitely coming through on that. Uh, just great stuff in the first set. The fluffhead was awesome my first curtain with um and then everybody just heard the bulk of the second set right there that's just that's fish showing its finest for the year um the whole thing you know you got uh their sense of humor their chops their improv like deep deep weirdness yeah it's great yeah the um you mentioned the the um the pace of the the songs uh the the tempo um which stood out to me with curtain with um curtain with is usually a you know relatively plotting song it's a mid-tempo tempo song um really fast like i don't even know how they were playing it as fast as they were um this was also the first curtain with after the big bust out in July at Deer Creek. Um, so only the second curtain with since the eighties and, um, a really, really great version. Um, people were, were, I imagine Jonathan, you were pretty jazzed to, to have heard it. Um, did you, uh, did you recognize what you were hearing in the second half of it at that point? Did you heard the tapes? From absolutely. The summer? Uh, they, they, I knew they'd played it. It's one of my favorite songs already. And so while they're playing curtain, I was probably spending about 50% of my thoughts on, please play with, please play with, while the other 50 was trying to enjoy what I was hearing. So, yeah, this is worth talking about for a minute, I think, because maybe some people who weren't seeing fish at this time don't know that there was, like, this time when the curtain with wasn't just, like, a given, although there was. Um, I think it's only, so it's only been played with the curtain with 38 times and and very rarely in um, in 1.0, but... Um, the I had an experience which I think is similar to some people's in that the the first time I heard the curtain with was at Coventry, which oh. um, that was the <laughs> it was the encore, <laughs> and um, it was bad. Um, it was almost 
it was almost the worst part of the whole thing, but 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 actually it wasn't. But anyway, the point is, when they started bringing it back in in 3.0, it's awesome. And I saw I've seen a few since then, including just a couple weeks ago at, at Meriwether. But this is it's so beautiful. It's such a great and awesome um, song. And I think if they played it every show I go to, that would be fine. But I think it's partially just the the heartache of getting to the the curtain widths. You know what I mean? Still can't believe you brought up the Coventry one. (laughs) I'm just saying, this is my these are my stats, bro. You know, we gotta talk stats. Didn't I just say that it was my favorite song, and then you bring up the the most butchered version? Um, The only thing I'd say about this show is just to the. It seems like every single song Trey is just like nonstop playing. He's like he doesn't really stop playing the guitar at all, even during parts in other shows where he would stop playing. You know what I mean, Matt? I guess that's probably part of your point of the whole. Sure. Yeah, the, well, there's that. And then the, so I think the rock and roll uh, from the sequence we just played is the perfect example of that. Um, rock and roll, in addition to Piper, is a song that I think really suits this um, part of the band's uh, history. Um, I love like the Big Cypress version uh, and, and the the, uh, the Holmdel version that we featured on the Quick Hit to Dicks that came out of Drown. This is another one. Um, it's just the up-tempo. It feels like you're riding on a galloping horse uh, as you're as you're listening to it. Um, almost this one to like a punk rock uh, degree uh, where, you know, like you said, Trey's just playing and playing and playing and playing a lot of notes on the guitar um and then this has another one of those typical 2000 jams that gives way to to you know about four or five minutes of ambience uh on the back end before it goes into theme um and as great as that is maybe the best part of the whole sequence is the jam from theme into dog log um it just it's you know you think they've done this a couple times where theme is over and they sort of take the big rock star ending of it uh and they drag it out into something that's really cool they actually did that at my first show uh the at the spectrum in 2003 where they had you know really funky rock and jam out of the last chord of the song um they did the same thing in atlantic city in in 2013 on the halloween run um but here it instead of kind of driving forward uh in a rocking way um it gives way to this very very delicate space uh that that eventually becomes dog log and is is just amazing so should we listen to some more music yeah we're gonna go the uh, to the next night um at blossom uh, music center and we're gonna listen to the set opening uh set two opening boogie on reggae woman I'm 
Hey everybody, we're back. Um, that was Boogie On from Blossom. This is like the most, um, or one of the most controversial of the shows, right? This is when you start getting into like, there's all kinds of, of folklore um, about this show, but we can talk about that in a second. This Boogie On was pretty cool though. Um, what, there was a four four song second set, including a McGrupp, which is a which is odd. So the other three were pretty pretty big. Um, kind of a, a well known show, I think, in some ways. But um, I don't know, Matt. Did you did you enjoy going back to this one? Yeah, I like I like this set a lot. Um, I had I don't know that I'd listened to this whole show outside of the Haley's Comet, which gets a lot of talk uh, for reasons we'll dive into in just a second. Um, but I love the second set, the Boogie On. Um, it's once again, it's this prototypical two thousand thing of Trey shredding in the first half of the jam, and then it gets very. Um, open and and uh and more ambient in the second half uh the band just kind of hangs out there's a really nice segue into twist um but in in a mere 13 minutes i feel like this jam accomplishes what they would have taken like 25 minutes to do in other jams on this tour um it's a little bit more compact so if you want to see or, or hear a uh almost a micro version of what we've been talking about this is a great place to start uh with that boogie on well, Jonathan, and they did just hear it. Um, I, I think it's great. It rolls nicely into Twist too, and um, RJ mentioned the McGrupp, and the McGrupp is, it's got a cool. The middle section is really cool. Trey flips on the Leslie, and it gets a little, it's a little spacey. I heard Paige do a thing that I want to say reminded me of Dark Star, but it wasn't. I'm not saying it was Dark Star. Right before they move into the build to end the song, um, and it's great. It's fucking great. Um, first set's pretty good too. It's a little songy, but it's got good songs. It's got the sloth, uh, Karini opener. Uh, my mind's got a mind of its own. Um, sleep into yeah. a Caspian closer, which I know probably bummed a few people out. It's up, Dave. Um, but uh, you know, it, I think it's pretty good, Caspian. Oh man, Caspian! You can't even we can't even talk about Caspian without getting in a really big fight on the internet but i like it i think it's a good song um, yeah i'm cool with it so in terms of controversy matt the 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 big thing is the haley's right and i guess it, it seems like at some point before the song ended trey leaves the stage which i guess because he just was is it because everyone else wasn't just wasn't rocking as hard as he was i don't know yeah i don't think any of us will ever know this has turned into uh, damn it matt come on <laughs> Sorry, I tried <laughs> Tell to. Tell us what really happened. I tried to tap into Trey's brain and figure out exactly <laughs> what happened, and uh, I just was unsuccessful. I couldn't crack the code. But much we like, we actually got an email from a guy who can do that. Maybe we should bring him. <laughs> <laughs> right, sorry, go ahead. So, um, no, I mean, much like the ghost from Halloween '98, uh, where Trey leaves the stage while they're playing before the rest of the band. There's a thousand different theories about what happened. Was it a fight? Was it? chemical induced um you know was it uh it could have been anything i think we talked about something similar on an old episode one of the things i like to point out is um people don't think about the physicality of being on stage and playing music so it could have been something as stupid as he had to go to the bathroom and was mm-hmm. i mean this was not by the way th- it wasn't like the set was uh, cut off abruptly or anything like that they were about 70 minutes deep into a set at this point so n- there were nothing was aborted it could have been that it could have been that he looked down at his clock at his feet and saw that they were approaching the curfew and was like oh shit we need to take a break so we can play an encore um what i 
what I I listened to the like the end of the the Halley's Comet a bunch of times one afternoon trying to listen to some sort of signal or, or another to see if there was tension or something, and I think. I think that for whatever reason, Trey wanted the jam to end and you can hear him playing the same chord over and over again in a way that he does sometimes even still today where he's trying to signal the rest of the band like, okay, that's it. Wrap it up. And what happens a lot of times today is that Fishman will keep the groove going because he's not a hundred percent sure. Like does Trey want to end it? Should we end it? Should we go into something else? I'll just sort of keep this going until I receive a cue from the rest of the band that something should happen. Um, and in, in, in modern day, a lot of times what happens is Trey just starts playing another song and we call that the rip chord, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What sound, it sounds to me. And, and so my theory is 1001 out of all these theories that are out there that for whatever reason, whether it was timing or something like that, Trey decided the set was over. He was trying to signal the rest of the band, you know, this is it. Stop playing. Fishman kept playing and he, he may have gotten frustrated and just walked off as the, the ultimate way to, to tell the rest of the band that they were done. Um, (laughs) Keep in mind too, that at this point he was standing off to the side where Mike stands today. So communication around this kind of stuff may have been a little bit tricky from that side of the stage to get, to get everybody on the same page. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, what's what's your take on on what happened here? Well, I guess my first thing is that it's my favorite way to end meetings at work is just to stand up and just walk out. Um, and just it's a good way to let everyone know that the meeting's over, you know. Um, but also, I can barely go seventy minutes without you know taking a pee. So I totally understand. I think that theory is seems accurate. But um, yeah, I mean, this is when it starts to get weird, you know. Um, I mean, not when it starts to get weird. I think maybe it was becoming more clear that things were getting weird, but um, still managed to really, really rage it. Yeah, the, the one disappointing thing is I think if they had kept the jam going, it was about to enter some interesting territory because just like we've talked about, rip and tray section, uh, band firing on all cylinders, then giving way to some sort of spaciness that um, or looseness that creates some interesting stuff. And it sounded like maybe there was something about interesting to ha- that was about to happen. And instead, it, it sounds a little bit truncated. But I mean, otherwise, I think I think it's a really, really good Haley's. I think it's a great Haley's and you're right we don't know Trey's definitely signaling something as you said uh, you can hear it everybody go back and listen and you'll hear it pretty clearly but um I don't know you say they were about to get into something but it feels like they had definitely already gotten there they had definitely already done a lot of somethings and so it's a pretty satisfying listen to me um what I'd be curious to know the thing that really I think would be telling was how long was that set break? So these sh- mm-hmm. these sets aren't extremely long, but a long set break push you right up to curfew. Yeah. So they I think were, that would um... probably be a factor. And honestly, we'll never know until we get the video with the uh, commentary from the band. And I'll be looking for that in uh, two years for the anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll definitely have that. They probably have a lot of backstage video that they're going to release um soon especially from the 99 2000 oh, um, and, and, and 2.0 um so guys we're going to keep moving before we get to the next um little music here we had a stop after this show in cincinnati which was i think fine um 
and then they they move on to Rosemont, Chicago. If anyone wants to say anything about that Cincinnati show, you can. But I want to just bring I want to bring our listeners along this journey with us. Check out the It's Ice from Cincinnati. Uh, it 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 winds up not being finished, and it's um it's really really cool. They they've done similar jams in the set in the middle section of its ice uh, recently, but they always bring it back around. Um, this time it just goes completely off the rails and eventually winds up in waiting, uh, which is cool. But um, other than that, I think this is a kind of a show to gloss over. Hey, well, I like the its ice. The its ice is killer and undeniable, but also the. Uh... The Wolfmans and the Jabu both have some pretty solid hose jamming, and they're worth a listen. So I just want to say that I was in Columbus at this time um, in my senior year of college, and not going to this show or any the next two shows in Chicago makes really no sense, and there's absolutely no reason um, for it, and I'm saddened and ashamed. You should be ashamed. Thank you. Um, so the next night they go to the next show. They go to Rosemont, Chicago, two two show uh, stand there. Um, and we're going to play you something from the second night. Do you guys want to say anything about the first night before we uh, drop them into uh, to a jam? Uh, disease just to open on the yes. first night. Really, really, really good disease. Uh, worth worth listening. I'll second that, and I'll add that the uh, tube jam is really good. Also, nice reba. Yeah, t- tube like when they used to jam it. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's um, So, guys, the Rosemont um, this this venue they um, was this the old Rosemont Horizon where they played Halloween '95. That's correct. But these will be the first shows since '03. Since '03, which is kind of cool. Yeah, um, and pretty like rare these days. They they've been they've been hitting a lot of the same spots. So that should be cool. Um, is it like a is it a anyone? Do you know anything about the venue? I don't. Is it like a, do they play sports there or is it just a music venue? Just a place for 18,500 people to rock out at a concert or go see some other random sporting event. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Well, people saw rock concerts back in 2000. Should we let people listen to this selection from uh, the second night, the 23rd? Yeah, let's do it. Jump into, uh, jump into the Haley's Comet from uh, the second night of Rosemont. Thank you. 
All right, so that was Haley's comment from Night 2 at Rosemont 2000. Um, you may be wondering why we're listening to this Haley's instead of the one that we just dissected a lot. Um, this stuck out to me because it feels like it picks up where the Blossom version left off. So I was just talking about how it felt like they were about to go into new territory. This is almost feels like the completion of that version of Haley's. Um, it's, not, it's a little bit more deliberate in the jamming. It's not you don't have the ADD guitar, you know, tray shredding kind of thing. Um, it reminded me a lot of the 12, 14, 95 version, uh, and the jam, uh, the lick that Trey um, repeats over and over again. Um, it's, it's a lot more like typical fish jamming from the mid nineties that you would have been familiar with. Um, so I just love this version. Uh, great show start to finish too. Um, you know, come on, baby, let's go downtown. is a is a great cover that uh, Trey had been playing with his band and, and makes it in there. Um, there's a, a great Piper, um, really just a, a strong set. But what did you guys think of that that Haley's and the rest of the the show? I thought it was. Uh, I mean, the first set's killer, and um, obviously, I like "Come on, baby, let's go downtown." Little Danny Whitten, um, and the Haley's jam is just space hose. Uh, that there's a tweezer, which is, it's not super deep, but I really like the sunshine of your love tease at the end of it. And they do the, you know, the kind of the, the slow down breakdown ending. Um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't do that a lot after the, after the early days of tweezer. And then they brought it back at 3.0 for a little bit. They did. You never know what they're going to do next. Um, but, but on this tour next, they went to Minneapolis and, and opened up with i guess the second second mellow mood of the uh of the tour um i yeah this 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 is a skippable show for me but i'm maybe but i'm probably wrong jonathan will probably tell me (laughs) there there are no skippable shows except for the ones that are very skippable and the ones that you skipped (laughs) i don't skip any shows (laughs) that's true Um, i happen to uh oh go ahead no the first set's pretty songy i'll give you that but I'm into it for the sloth and divided sky and the uh, the Roger and and then of course the cities in second set is is awesome. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty normal straight ahead for what like nine minutes and then it gets spacey for about five more and then fish kind of reasserts and they glide right on into free. It's pretty badass. And then then the show ends with uh, the second ever cool it down into David Bowie and that cool it down. It's like nine minutes. It's got a good spacey jam in it too. I bet yeah. you missed that. Didn't you RJ? Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's good, good start and end of the second set that cities in the freeze. Nice. Cool it down. is great. Um, I, I actually listened to this show in Minneapolis. Uh, I was there uh, for business last week and figured it was good timing. Um, it just happened to, catch up with my listening of the tour so i instead of listening to it on the plane i listened to it when i landed tried to soak up a little bit of the vibes uh as i points for the extra effort there yeah yeah, i flew all the way to minneapolis just to listen to the show um purified myself in the waters of lake minnetonka as i as i listened to it um (laughs) it was good but yeah otherwise relatively skippable show um you know i'm wondering like have they ever played a good show in minneapolis that's a good question. Killer version of Purple Rain from their show in 94 in Minneapolis. 
that's yeah. that's that does not answer Matt's question. Seems like, so, but the answer is yes. Yeah, it seems <laughs> it seems like a market that they just have not done a whole lot in. Um, they did play the legendary First Avenue uh, back in the day in the in the early nineties, but um, not yeah, not at least in recent history, not not a whole lot that's gone on there, but. Uh, not not much in this uh, in this show, uh, and then they head on to. <laughs> what the fuck? The... Did I not just tell you it's the second <laughs> ever cool it down? Yeah, and that, it's you know, ten minutes long. And it's got a dope ass Space Jam. That's good. That's good. There's Don't listen good to these people, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen. To uh, uh, anytime you know that the highlight is the sloth, I'm just like, did I? Man, I just this is one the of sloth my I mentioned five ever. minutes ago, talking know, about I cool know, it down. Yeah. All right, let's go to let's, let's go to Kansas. Fuck this. So Kansas, we they nobody to... has ever said that before. <laughs> Dor- Except after this show, Dorothy. <laughs> we need to go back. Uh, um, so no, so they go to Bonner Springs, Kansas, um, which we're going to talk about for HF Pod Plus uh, this month. So um, we'll we should reserve our comments uh, from that. Other than to say that um, we we picked in particular set one from this show. It's a just an amazing first set and uh, in, in a high point uh, for the tour, I, I think. So um, catch catch us on uh, HF Pod Plus uh, to uh, to hear more about this show i don't know it seems skippable to me <laughs> John, surprisingly jonathan loved this show um but um so guys the the last um last piece of music on this episode i think um which is a this is a this is a worth sticking around for in my opinion um this little combo we got here from uh from the next show which is fiddler's green um which sounds made up but it's a real place uh and that um the show just like a kind of stop over in Colorado, right on the way out to uh, on the way out to the West Coast. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, they're they're heading towards Vegas, and then also the last week of 1.0. Um, seems like this should be sort of just a write off show, uh, but in fact, this is a really good, really strong show. Particularly um, what we're going to hear uh, right here, which is the start of the second set: Piper into Gumbo into Ghost. Enjoy.
that's trapped in the snow Planning a family vacation But he just can't go Around the next corner's a rare bird His feathers are trapped in a sling He's trashed by some gunslinging parrot His jealousy ain't got no grip There ain't no time to stash the gumbo Or rattle around in a cage The sacrifice draws me bubbles Jars made bubbles, as fiddle is everywhere in rage. In a hot sand, I render my feet, they blister and cake with debris. Chesrolet is guarding the toe port while angry he fills with bleed. There ain't no time to stash the gumbo or rattle around in a cage. The sacrifice jars made bubbles, as fiddle is everywhere in rage. In a hot sand, I render my feet. They blister and cake with debris. Shells rolling in scarred in the toe for behind me.
Alright guys, that was um, Piper into Gumbo into Ghost um, from Fiddler's Green, which I, I I mentioned earlier before we listened to that that it was just a random place, which it's not. It's an amphitheater still in uh, near the, in the Denver area, an AG place, 18,000 probably. Um, I've never been there, but um, I guess it used to be called Comfort Dental Amphitheater, which I kind of wish that I had seen a show there when it was Comfort Dental. But <laughs> at any rate, um, remember when they used to jam Piper? Man, that was fucking sweet. The Piper was really awesome. Um, and this whole segment to me, it didn't have a lot of that like um, sort of dark jamming that a lot of this tour and a lot of this year had. It was just like really fun stuff, man, all the way throughout all totally three totally different jams but all like very rewarding to listen to yeah they um the the piper got really really hot and uh, they sort of jettison it it just to to head into gumbo which is a weird second set choice and you might be disappointed if it weren't for that really beautiful segment linking gumbo and ghost uh very very smooth segue into ghost um they kind of just hit the right groove out of gumbo uh to get into it so i i really like this 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 piece of music uh between these three songs was one of uh my favorite uh points for the entire month uh, in my listening and I think, Jonathan, just before you jump in, I think this Piper groove was my favorite um, thing I listened to from the whole month, to, similar to what Matt said. So um, sort of a, a little bit of an unknown show, uh, 3.8 out of 5 rating on, on Fishnet, which, you know, mostly means it's overlooked, but I'm glad we got to bring you a little segment from this. And Jonathan, I know, I'm, do you like the song Piper? I do like the song Piper. I have a daughter named Piper. Um <laughs> Uh, I knew that. That was a good setup, right? And I, and I, this is a kind of standard for this tour. Awesome version of Piper. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the gumbo's great, you know, grooves out and gets a little type two, and then the loops come to come into play and takes us off into Ghost, which is great. And we didn't play for everybody, but I really like the uh, slightly extended, although totally type one uh, mango that follows. It's really nice. And a pretty pretty hot brother on this second set too. God, it makes you wonder why they don't just play Fiddler's Green instead of Dicks every year. <laughs> maybe, maybe we get some decent shows once in a while. I mean, we, um, we could all be raging in Englewood. Yeah, it's but after Long Beach, that's where you want to be. That's why you want to be raging. <laughs> um, so. This guy, this is this was really good. I'm glad we got to end on that. I know we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up, and people can watch um, Vegas the the next two shows of Vegas on DVD, right? Is that is that all DVD? No, just the second night. Just the second yeah. night. Yeah. First of all, like, why, why, why Kid Rock? Why, why any of this Vegas stuff? But I'm gonna, I'll stop there. That's the that's the big mystery to me. I mean, I, forget forget the walk off of Haley's like. I'd, it's baffling to me. This is one of, other than just like hobnobbing with stars, I have no idea how Trey and Kid Rock wound up buddy buddy at this point. I don't know if you guys remember, I can't remember if it was before or after this, but do you remember they played on, he played with him on SNL? It was, I think, really? I think it was right after, maybe right after the tour ended. 
um, Kid Rock was the musical guest on SNL. I, we were like walking through the like the hub at Penn State or something like that Saturday night, coming home from a party or something, and I look up and SNL's on Kid Rock, you know, ba wada ba da bang a bang whatever, and Trey's playing yeah. guitar with them, and I'm like, I was like, what the hell is going on? Which tells me it must have been before this because then maybe it wasn't as much of a surprise that, that he showed up in Vegas, but it's, we've all seen the picture of them walking through the casino together. Um, I'm sure they were having a lovely time together, but I actually, um, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you guys have any theories on what the hell was going on with all that? The first night, honestly, the show is dead to me and has been for a very long time, but I did go back and listen to some of it. And, uh, I listened to Spock's brain and I listened to Jin, and I liked them. But that's it. That's all I listened to from it, honestly. So be- cool. because of the uh, the influence of uh, older jaded vets like Jonathan back in the day, I was you know dissuaded from ever listening to this tape. I never got it. Never listened to it. I just Good. had it in build up in my mind that this Mission was just a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. I, I shit you not, I had never heard the Kid Rock sit in until I listened to it uh, like two days ago. Wow. And I will say I was pleasantly surprised. I actually think they musically, they did a really, really great job executing what they played. It's strange what, what they played. Um, you know, walk this way. Rapper's delight. You shook me all night long. We're an American band. I mean, basically makes them into, a, you know, a bar band at the shore or something like that. But, um, they, they musically really killed it. I mean, we're an American band. Listen to the beginning of that. Fishman kills that cowbell groove. I mean, it's it's a legitimately great cover of it. Um, Kid Rock, I mean, for all his faults, I think actually does a very good job of hyping up the crowd and does a good job of singing it, particularly Walk This Way and We're an American Band. Um, it, the one thing that bothered me was his voice just like almost gave me a headache on the tape because he kind of sounds like he's screaming the whole time. Um, so I, that, that was one complaint that I had. I have to just, the the question I had after all of this was like, the crowd was really into it. Like you don't, I almost expected to hear like a dead crowd, like people, people like booing or something like that. People are really into it. He amped up the room and everything, but I just cannot imagine the mindset of people partying in Vegas, going to a fish show and kid rock comes out and what must've been going through people's mind. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) You already answered your question. Partying in Vegas. (laughs) They were all having a good time. And I have no intention of taking that away from anybody. I just don't enjoy listening to Kid Rock. I will say, um, you mentioned we're an American band. That was the second time they played that, and they killed it pretty well the first time too. So, I just want to say that I think that the the next show, which is the DVD show that most people have heard or or know well, maybe um, it's pretty good. It's it's much better, and it maybe is a redemption because you know the second night going in, there's Kid Rock's not coming back. We got one more show in September, guys. But but this is what yeah, like you said, Matt, five or six shows before the hiatus. Um, <clears throat> they they do a forbind, and I think that's when he talks about the hiatus. And but there's some good musical highlights people should check out. But I, maybe people know those already. But um, it's it's a good it's a good show to go back to. Yeah, I, I watched this webcast when it happened in a little tiny little window on my monitor with my DSL connection that work paid for. And uh, we had just come home from a show at the State Theater in Falls Church and uh, 
pulled that up on the computer, so we might have missed the beginning of it. I honestly don't remember that. But uh, it's it's a weird show, um, particularly the second set. Of course, the Foreman's Mockingbird you mentioned. Uh, you know, Trey goes into that whole like uh, game hinges, a state of mind, and the uh, groping pile of love, raisin planet, goo wrap thing there in Forbins is pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he mentions in there being up all night and things like that. So I don't know what that means, but maybe it's a reference to his previous night. And then... Um, probably just trouble sleeping, you know? Vegas yeah, is he's probably nervous. Like the, all the oxygen and all that shit, you know? It's just keep you up for a long time. I blame Josie. The Go stretch see. of uh, shows... It, it was a hell of a run. Apparently, it was a pretty hard and heavy time for the band and, uh, you know, a lot of the folks that I know that did this run. Uh, their sleep was um, an uncommon experience, as I understand it. But I'll still never forget watching the, the weird, chore- seemingly choreographed, although surely it was improvised, movements on the stage during Emotional Rescue at the end of it. But the uh, I have to use this opportunity to say that well, it makes up for the fact that it is a terrible song from a not good Rolling Stones record. So. <clears throat> yeah, I think the New Year's 97 version does that just fine. You know, they probably could have done that. It could have been a one time. You know, they could have just yeah. done any other song and done a jam. That's true. Well, but then, so it, anyway. then it wouldn't have been weird. That's true. Yep. It is. It is a weird show. I, I think uh, it almost feels like sets one and two are kind, kind of flipped. Um Set set one has a lot more interesting playing in it. Uh, I also was watching the webcast uh, in my dorm room, and I remember I, I remember that very clearly because I was not as in tune with the fan base at that point, even though I was you know on RMP and stuff like that at that point to know that the hiatus was coming up. So we were pretty shocked when they got to. Um, you know, Forbins and the announcement was made about that. Uh, as you can, as I've mentioned on this show before being a, uh, you know, probably about five weeks into my college experience and uh, a ripe new fish fan. Uh, and suddenly hearing that the band was not going to be playing for a while was pretty devastating, uh, to, to me. So, um, I always kind of skip over the whole Forbins thing just cause it brings back some bad memories. Really made that Hershey thing sting, didn't it? Oh yeah. Um so so guys, thanks for uh sticking with us through this. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Um we um we like doing this podcast and we hope that you do too. So tell us what you think and give us thoughts and feedback on things that you're thinking on this episode and otherwise and um hopefully Brad's confirmed and on the on the court by next time cuz then we'll just be able to kind of, you know, dial him up from his giant chair and that'll be good. Absolutely. Jonathan and Matt, anything before we wrap up and let everyone go back to their days? I said the hip all right if you haven't yet give us a review on apple podcasts or or whatever whatever app you use to uh to listen to this because that's really helpful and also we just want to hear from you so thank you guys and we'll be back um with more awesome podcasts very soon um thanks everybody keep on rocking and yellow, but first I gotta bang bang the boogie to the boogie. Say up, jump the boogie to the bang bang boogie. Let's rock. 
You don't stop, block the rhythm, that'll make your body rock. Well, so far you've heard my voice, but I brought two friends along. And next on the mic is my man Hank. Come on, Hank, sing that song. Check it out, I'm the C-A-N-N. Osiris. Hi, I'm Bob Crawford from the Avid Brothers, and the podcast you're listening to is part of the Osiris Network, a global community connecting passionate music fans with podcasts about music, artists, and culture. For more information about all the shows in our network, please visit OsirisPod.com. Osiris. Hello out there! Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. 